0: Chapter 12. Our New Testament lesson will be from the 12th chapter of Romans uh, verses 9 to 13. It's on page 629 in your blue Bibles. And um, I'll be referencing a few other texts. And so if you want to turn there, uh, feel free. Romans chapter 12, verses 12, or 9 to 13. The Apostle Paul writes Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. This, too, is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So... As I mentioned, uh, tonight we're beginning in the evening service anyways. Um, last week we started in the morning and this morning um, with a series on all of these one-another commands in the Bible. We're actually going to spend the next, essentially till Christmas, going over these things. And tonight we have this one where there's a couple of different ones. Be devoted to one another, honor one another. But what we're going to be talking about is that last phrase, practice hospitality. Um, you know, At my first job, uh, I worked at a church, and and we had a really big staff, and one of the things we would always do is we'd have staff lunches, where sort of people would bring, like, it's like a potluck, you know, certain people would bring things. Now, the interesting thing about this church was that it was actually in Hawaii. Some of you may not have known this. I lived there for a number of years, and these people know how to eat, okay? If you've ever been there, these are some of the largest human beings on the planet, and there's a reason, and and. If you don't also know this about me, know that I also love to eat. And this was a great marriage, me living in Hawaii. Um, There's actually pictures where I look kind of swollen and in a bad way from living there. But we would always have these, these staff potlucks or these big church events where we'd have these really big potluck meals. And everyone knew there were certain people, certain families that were just the really good cooks. You know, and everyone wanted their food. Right? And so we have sometimes even hundreds of people at these big meals, these big long lines of tables, but everyone knew which was the really good food. And I remember being torn, really arguing about this in my head. What do I do? Do I be polite and sort of hang back and say, no, I'm the, you know, the youth pastor, I'll let everyone else go, it's fine, you know, go ahead, take and eat. Or do I do what I really wanted to do, which is get in line as soon as possible because I know the good teriyaki chicken is going to be gone very quickly. Uh, um, because, and and you've all been there, right? You're standing there waiting in line. You've decided to be polite and let other people go before you, and then someone who's gone in line ahead of you is walking by with a giant plate, and you know, I'm not going to get any of that. You know, all the chicken wings are going to be gone. All the good stuff's going to be gone, and I'm going to be left with some sort of macaroni salad. (laughs) What do you do? One of the things I want to talk about tonight is, now this is a small example, but we're always faced with big choices like this too. When we go through our day, do we choose to be selfish or not? Do we choose to do that which we want to do, or that which is good for the people around us? And the tricky thing about selfishness is we rarely can see it in ourselves. Because most people, if you ask them, they would say, oh yeah, I'm not selfish. I, I'm certainly, what we call in English, altruistic. I live for other people, I try to do things for other people. I, I mean, I'm not selfish. We can't see it in ourselves. Most of us, we think we're really gracious. And I think selfishness is a really sort of a sneaky sin, and it is a sin, by the way, but I think it's very sneaky because we can't always see it. And one of the things about selfishness is we're living for ourselves, and so we're not actually ever inviting people into our life that would tell us when we're being selfish. So we just continue to be selfish. And and, and the question I want you to think about as we begin tonight is, are you selfish? Or do you lift up others above yourself? Are you living for others rather than yourself? Even when that means you're at the back of the line at the potluck and there's not going to be the same amount of food for you. You know, we call this hospitality, living for the sake of others. And it can be almost anything. It can be giving time, giving resources, giving food, giving opening people into your home, whatever it is. It can be anything. But we're talking about living for others. So let's talk about this hospitality. Um, Most of us are aware of this. It it exists around the world, obviously. It's very important. Um, It exists in many cultures around the world and in history. You know, in our passage here, this was originally written in Greek, and it's basically a combination of two words, uh, brotherly love, like it talks about the phileo love, like you love a brother or a sister. Uh, and then this, this word that also means friendship. So it's sort of like a brotherly friendship. How do we love others in a, in a friendly, brotherly way? How would you care for another person as if they were your family, your very brother or sister? And in ancient Greece, and in ancient Rome, at the time this was written, hospitality, if you were a citizen, of course, um, but if you were a citizen, this was a right. You had the right to go to someone's house, and they had to show you hospitality. And in fact, social standing would be leveled by how hospitable you were to people. Say, oh, John, he's really hospitable. He spends all of his time and resources on other people, and people would think very highly of them. And much more before that, in the ancient world, we read this passage uh, for our Old Testament. In ancient Judaism, it was very important. It was actually written into the law of Deuteronomy and Leviticus that the Israelites had to care for people, that they had to release debts, that they had to care for foreigners and the aliens living among them, the widows and the fatherless, that everyone had to be cared for. It's the same root word we have in English for things like hospital and hospice care. You know, many people in the church even consider hospitality a spiritual gift. That this is something that's so important that the Holy Spirit gives us abilities to do this for others. And so tonight we have this passage. Here in Romans, Paul is encouraging the church in Rome and he says, listen, we need to be practicing hospitality to one another. You know, um, different Bibles say different things. In the Bible I was studying, the little subtext that starts out this little section we just read says love in action." How do we live out this love? Well, to give you a little context to Romans chapter 12, uh, when we don't go verse by verse throughout Scripture, sometimes it's helpful to have some context when we just sort of jump into a chapter and jump out. So if you're not familiar with Romans 12 uh, or or the book of Romans, let me just give you a little background. And you can look in your Bibles if you want. Uh, In Romans 12.1, the Apostle Paul says that um, we are to give our lives as a living sacrifice. He says, this is our spiritual act of worship, that we as followers of Jesus give our very lives in worship for our God in verses one to two. And then he goes on to say that whatever our gifts are, whatever you're good at, whatever it is, can be anything, that, that we do so in service in the name of Jesus as one team, as the church. And this is in verses three to eight. So it talks about it doesn't matter if you're, if you're a scientist, if you're a teacher, if, if you're good at working with your hands or if you're good at research and thinking that we do these things for Christ. And then he enters into this discourse where we find ourselves in verses nine to 13. And he starts in verse nine by saying that love first must be sincere. That we must hate to what is evil and we must cling to what is good. I like how he phrases this. Hate what is evil and cling to what is good. He's not just saying to avoid evil, right? He's not just saying to just try not to be around evil. He's actually saying that we need to hate it. There's a difference here. We need to hate it and we need to oppose it. We need to actually be in opposition to evil, not just ignoring it, which, by the way, there's a big difference. We'll talk about that. And then he goes on in verse 10 to say that we also not just need to hate evil, but we need to be devoted to one another. That means that you are living, you are devoting your efforts for the sake of others. And in the same way, these things are related because when we cling to ourselves, when we do the things only we want to do, it creates division. When you say, I don't care what anyone else thinks, I'm going to do my thing, and I'm going to put my desires first, it creates division. To use the same example. When people cut in line at the potluck, they're saying, I don't care if anyone else wants this, I want this, and I look at that person and I just think, you're a jerk. No one else can have that. It creates division, it creates anger in my heart, I'm just being honest. But this is something that was nothing new. If we look at scripture, this was happening in the church in Corinth too. In the book of 1 Corinthians, uh, this is in chapter 11, if you want to turn there, but uh, you can also just make a note and look it up later. In 1 Corinthians 11, this was actually happening when the believers would gather together. The Apostle Paul writes to the Corinthian church, he says, In these following directives, I have no praise to give you. Your meetings are doing more harm than good. I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you. No doubt there have to be differences among you, um, but when you come together, it is not the Lord's supper you're eating, for as you eat, each one of you goes ahead without waiting for anyone else one remains hungry and another gets drunk you know this was an issue the apostle paul actually had to deal with specifically to some of these churches because they were not unified and the actions of some were creating separation for others and paul says no devote yourselves to one another and verse 11 says do it joyfully never lack in zeal this is not a chore Brothers and sisters, this is something we should desire to do. So then we, we, we love good and we hate evil and we do it joyfully. Church, let me just first say this before we get to the second half. We, we need to run from evil. We need to hate evil. We need to be vocal about the things that are evil in our lives. And we need to have joy and zeal in pursuit of one another and the goodness we see in one another. And helping each other. And then the apostle Paul, I love how he he writes sometimes. He says, listen, never be lacking in zeal. Keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. And, and, And here's a couple of things you can do, just real quickly. He says you need to be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. Paul says first that we need to be joyful in hope. And not just hope for heaven, not just hope for the end of our lives as Christians that one day everything will be better, but joyful in the fact that we are redeemed now, that we have been promised by Christ we are forgiven, that we are made free. Joyful that not only you are made free, but your brother and sister in Christ are also made free. And so we devote ourselves to them that they would know they are made free. Here and now. And then he says something that maybe is so against our culture today that we don't even understand what he's talking about. He says, you also need to be patient in your affliction. Be patient in your suffering. Be patient in the suffering of others. Could there be anything that is more countercultural in the West right now than telling someone to just be patient in their affliction? You don't have to fix it, just wait. No, 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 but I can fix it. I can do this and I can, just be patient. See, as Christians, we are called to wait, to listen, to pray, to go through this process we call discernment. And this goes for our relationships, that when our neighbor is suffering, we enter into that suffering with our neighbor. When we are suffering, we don't just rush to fix it, but we stop and wait and pray. We don't just immediately offer advice or problem-solving, but we listen to one another and care for one another by showing empathy and being there for them. But today, we don't do that. We avoid suffering and affliction so much that this idea of being patient and suffering is just intolerable to us. Why would I be patient? I don't deserve this. I'm just going to go fix it. And then the Apostle Paul says, while we're joyful in hope and patient in affliction, we also need to be faithful in prayer. I can't overstate this. Anyone who's been going to church a long time knows this. You need to pray more. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm sorry if you've been hearing it since you were this small. You can't hear it too much. You can't pray too much. Challenge. Pray too much. Let me know how it goes. You just can't. You, You just can't. And the Apostle Paul says you need to be faithful in prayer. If you want to love one another, if you want to practice hospitality, if you want to be there for one another, you need to be faithful in prayer, not only for yourself, but for your brothers and sisters in Christ. And all of these things, all of these things lead us to be able to do what it says in verse 13, which is sharing with God's people who are in need and practicing hospitality. Showing hospitality to all. Love what is evil, or love what is good and hate what is evil, and be devoted to one another. And if we think about this and the theme of this section in Romans as living sacrifices, our hospitality is part of that. The job we have here is that we would learn and grow together. It's why we're here, okay? If we could do this on our own, we wouldn't be here. You'd be at home reading your Bible, maybe listening to a podcast, you know, maybe whatever it is, but, but, but we can't do this on our own. And so we come together to love one another, to cling to what is good, to hate what is evil, and to help each other see our blind spots, to help each other see where we are in fact selfish and need help. And, and church, let me remind you that hospitality is not a suggestion or something that is only for a few people to practice. Or or something that just when your time or your schedule allows for it. The Apostle Paul says that we are all to be living sacrifices in the name of Jesus Christ. And because of our selfishness, it's really hard to see. Because selfishness is a sin that keeps us from practicing hospitality. This is the number one thing that keeps us from doing this. You know, the opposite of selfish might be humility or what we call selflessness, right? Right? But hospitality is the fruit of humility. It's how we show that we are humble. It's how we show that we love the way God loves. Because someone can be humble and still not do anything for anyone else. Someone can be humble and still not actually serve their brother or sister. But if you want to be a hospitable person, you show the world by the fruit in your life, and that is loving and caring for one another. I mean, look again how he starts it. He says, Love must be sincere. You must hate what is evil and cling to what is good. And so as you think about hospitality and loving others, I I want you to think about that question, or this question. Are you really hating the evil in your life? I mean, really. Are you hating the evil in your life, or are you letting it lurk around? Are you opposing the evil in your life, or are you just sort of letting it exist and just pretending it's not there? say, no, I can control it. I can handle it. Are you clinging to the good and running towards God? Or are you trying to let the good and the evil coexist in your life so that you don't have to get rid of all of those things that you secretly love? Are you trying to find a loophole to allow these things to remain in your life? Because those things when we do not cling to what is good and hate what is evil, it keeps us from loving our neighbors. It keeps us from living for others. It keeps us from doing our commands of practicing hospitality. And that is selfishness. When we say my needs are better than others and I'm going to keep my life how I want, and that is sin. The scriptures emphasize hospitality because this is a way for us to live the love of Jesus. We always sing these songs about love and and Jesus and how great he is and how he saved us. And people always ask me, how do I grow in my faith? How do I become stronger? How do I overcome sin? Live for other people. Live your life for other people and get rid of the evil in your life because that evil stuff is keeping you from hospitality and loving others. In 1 Peter, he writes, the end of all things is near. Therefore, be, be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. See, you can't pray too much. Above all, he says, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, and listen to this, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. When we get rid of the evil in our life and cling to what is good, and we practice hospitality and we serve and we give to others, we're not just doing nice things for people. We're actually giving people the very grace of God. We are becoming in our service a means of grace to other people. This is what it means in Scripture where it says that we are ambassadors for Christ. See, church, and this is throughout Scripture, by the way. Think of the passage in Mark chapter 2 where the friends lower the guy on the mat. It's a group of people serving their friend so that he might be in the presence of Jesus. A physical means of grace by cutting a hole in a roof and bringing him to Jesus. Think about what Jesus said in Matthew 25 about caring for, uh, or clothing the the people without clothes and visiting people in prison and, and feeding the hungry and giving those who are thirsty something to drink. It's small, practical things, but these are ways we bring grace to the world. And this is an avenue God has given us to help us become more like him, to overcome our sin and our selfishness. And we can do these things We can accomplish this. It's been promised to us. But you also need to know that it's not automatic. Many of us believe Jesus Christ died for our sins. We claim him as our savior. We have been baptized. We go to church. But we are struggling to cling to what is good. We're still doubting about the best way to live. Think about what I mentioned at the beginning of Romans 12. What is your spiritual act of worship? Many of you know I work with teenagers, and I want to end with this idea. I always talk about worship with teenagers, and one of the ways I define worship is very simple, and it helps me. Worship is a response to what you value most in life. And if you were to look at your life, what do you value most? What do you value most? Where do you place your time and your energy and your effort and your service and your love? Is that God and other people or self? (laughs) Because as brothers and sisters in Christ and as daughters and sons of God, he has called you to love him and to love others the way he has loved you. And selfishness, the sin of selfishness is the biggest obstacle to hospitality in this world. And we all suffer from it. Maybe you're selfish with your time and that's where God wants to work on you. Maybe you're selfish with your money and God wants to work on you there. Maybe you're selfish with your service and your love and you struggle to love other people and really let them into your life. We all have something we need to work on. We all have something that God's doing. And I want to encourage you, church. I want to encourage you that hating evil, clinging to what is good, and loving one another as if they were your very brother or sister Will not only help you overcome those things, it will help you cling to what is good, and it will help you overcome these sins that you struggle with. The example Jesus set for us to overcome these sins is hospitality, is love, it's service. I'm just going to reread this one more time and, and really think about what God might be calling you to work on for you. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil and cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope. Be patient in your affliction. Faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need and practice hospitality. Church, let's practice hospitality with one another. Let's practice hospitality with one another. Let's serve one another and let's do all we can. Because I want to challenge you. Because If we don't do it within the church, if we don't do it among our brothers and sisters in Christ, we certainly won't do it out in the rest of the world. Would you pray with me? Let's pray. God, I thank you. I thank you for the example of Christ who practiced such great hospitality that he laid his life down for us. Lord, I pray that in our spiritual act of worship, we would include, God, that we would be joyful, that we would be patient in our suffering, that we would ever be praying, and Lord, that we would be able to serve one another. God, I pray that you would convict our hearts of the things that we we are selfish. God, the, the areas we need to let go of. Lord, we confess our sins of selfishness here and now to you. And Lord, we find repentance. We find forgiveness. We find your love and grace. Let us use our gifts as a means of grace to this world. Let us share your love as you have shared it with us. And so, Lord, we make this our prayer, our confession, asking you to work in us, that we would do your work in this world. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.